My name is Pastor Guy. If I haven't had the, the chance to, to meet you yet, I've been uh, out running crazy, doing all kinds of wild things, hiding from the world. Uh, so you've had other great people have stood in here in this pulpit and shared the word with you for the last four weeks now. And I am excited to be back. I'm excited to hit the ground running as we go into fall. Um, I'm just excited to see what the Lord has for us. You know, one of the things, one of the things that uh, I... Uh, say maybe too much, uh, and, and I try to make sure that this is kind of the heartbeat of, of how I handle uh, my position in, in that God, God showed grace to me that he uh, even saved me, and then God showed grace to me that he called me to pastor, and then God showed grace to me that he called me to come and be the, the first, really full, first full-time pastor of, of this church, and, and one of the things, I take the great responsibility in that. And the great responsibility is that it's important to me for what happens from this pulpit. I pray that everything we do is Christ-centered. Everything that we do is God-centered. Everything we do is, is for the glory of God, not of man. So, so I don't say my church, my ministry. I don't say my pulpit. This is all the Lord's. And he's working in it and through it. And I pray and I trust and I know that those who came, uh, that you were blessed by them. And, and I pray that, uh, that that just continues to always be the case in everything we do, that all that we do at this church is about Christ. Because the truth is, if you want life change, if you want heaven, if you want to live life well, it requires life change through the blood of Christ, you must be reconciled to God, first and foremost. So I'm excited to be back, and today we're going to, we're kind of kicking off, we're starting a, a fall series of sorts that, uh, that for the first time in, in the, the history of our church, we're, we're using the, the namesake of One Life Church. You know, One Life Church got its name before I came to One Life Church, and um, and, and we take this, this namesake, and, and, and I like the name. I would have voted for the name. I'd have been all for the name. And, and I love this idea that, that we truly, like the song says, we have one life. We have one chance. We have one birth to death. We have, have, have one dash in between the year we're born and the year that we die. And we have this one shot at living our life. We have this one shot at, at getting it right, doing it well, meeting Christ, and then being a person of influence. So, so what I want to talk about through this series, really the, kind of, kind of the, the, the underlying uh, thrust of this entire One Life series over the next few weeks is just going to be simply, hey, you've got one life, and the most important thing that you can do with your life, because you can't do it after your life, the most important thing you can do with your life is to reconcile it to God. And when you reconcile to God, you then sacrifice it to God in service to his kingdom. And then we multiply it. We multiply it. We share the, the truth of Christ. We share the life-changing power of the blood of the cross. And we live our life in a way that is going to impact beyond one life. Because you can work hard. You can build things. You can, you can do important things. But... but what really matters, what really is going to change your life and your eternity and the life of other people in your sphere of influence for 
years and maybe generations to come is that you take this one life that you're given and you fully reconcile and sacrifice it to the Lord so that what you do not only matters here, but it'll matter beyond here. So this is what I want to talk about through this One Life series. You've got one life, one chance, one love in Christ. So let's live it well. Let's live it with purpose and intentionality. Let's not just be those people that are floating through. They're like, yeah, I, I, I just get up and I do and I go back to bed. I get up and I do and I go back to bed. I don't really know why. No, let's intentionally live our lives well for Christ for a purpose that we're called to. So what we're going to talk about today is that we, want, as, recon, as, as those who are reconciled to God, if you are saved, you have reconciled to God, you are happy together with God again, then it's time to be, you become an ambassador for God, you become, enter into this ministry of reconciliation. One life to live Reconcile. So I invite you to uh, bow your heads with me for a moment of prayer. Father God, you are so faithful and so awesome and so steadfast and so loving in ways that, that we can't even wrap our minds around. And you continue to look down on us puny little humans that deserve nothing and are, are, are worth so little in the grand scheme of things. But you look at us and you say, we, you say I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die in your place, that you can be reconciled to me, that you can have life to the full, that you can have a relationship, a happy, friendly, harmony, peaceful relationship with me. Thank you, Lord, for that. Holy Spirit, come and be present in all we do, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we, as people... We all want something, don't we? We all, we all want, uh, most of us kind of want the same thing, and you, you're out there working it, you're, you're, busting, you're, you're, you're busting your tail for it, you're, trying, you're working hard, you're making money, you're taking care of your family, and, and, and you want this one thing out of life, because we live in a world that's going to throw all kinds of things our way. Like, you, you get up and you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen at work, you don't know what's going to happen on your drive home, but you're, you're living your life and you're working hard for, for so often this one thing that we just want, and we hear this all the time, everybody out there in the business world, they're all trying to sell us something, and they're all trying to convince us what we need. And the one thing that we want and we think that is all that we need, that we have this goal, is I just want to be happy. You and I, we just want to be happy, right? Like, I just, I just want a little joy in my life. This is ridiculous. Every time I finally kind of hit a seam, I'm doing well, I'm, on a, I'm making a good stride, it's like, okay, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, and boom, right? I get hit in, kind of get sideswiped. But we're out there working hard. Like, I just want to be happy. No matter what I do, the world throws something else at me. I can't find peace. I can't find harmony, it's like we have these relationships that we, we live in our lives. We have our, you know, our, our, our marriages and our friendships. And, and we're like, I just want this friendship to be happy and long-term. But when I look back over my life, I see all these 
old friends, these old acquaintances that it's just dotted with, well, we had a falling out and we never picked it back up and it's just gone. We never asked for forgiveness, so it's just, just gone. It just died. It's just over. I can't even call them anymore. They'd be so shocked if I called them. But we were the best of friends. Now I want, and I think you want, in this pursuit of happiness, even in our constitution, it's, we have this right to pursue happiness. I'm allowed to pursue happiness. And, and we, we want to have these long-term friends. In your friendship, you know, we live in a small town, so, so some of you guys maybe went to, 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 to kindergarten and grade school and high school, all with these same people, and you're still friends with them. Now, if you want to be friends with the same person from, and you'll be like, man, we were, we were tight from grade school to Greystone, right? Like that's, that's kind of the life cycle here in Punxsy, right? Like we went to kindergarten together and now we're sitting, we're, we're sitting in the lobby down at Greystone. We're having a good time. We're like, hey man, you remember kindergarten? Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. I missed those little half pints of chocolate milk. Those were so good. Like maybe we should go see if they still make those. Let's go get some of those. Like that's what got me through kindergarten, right? The best part of the day, other than maybe recess, right? So, so you sit there and, and you have this long-term friendship, but, but the truth is, right, a long-term friendship doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes some forgiveness. It takes some, hey, man, it's okay. You're still my buddy. And then we have these marriages, and I, and, and I know marriages uh, oftentimes end for, for very legitimate, very, very awful reasons, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to lighten that at all, the, the, the reality of that for, for many of us. But when we get married, we get married with the goal and the hope of marriage for life, right? Like this is, this is what we want. This is the ideal. So we want to have the same spouse from, from the honeymoon to the nursing home. Like you want, to, you want to be sitting there with your wife over at Mulberry and be like, hey, you remember Cancun, right? Like that was awesome. 60 years ago, right? Like, I wonder if it's still there. We need to go back, you know? So, so we have this goal of this long life of happiness, but to get there, it takes work, doesn't it? It takes, it, it takes forgiveness. It takes, it's not just we wake up and we have this harmony. We have this like leave it to beaver kind of lifestyle where everything is in its right place with the white picket fence in the suburbs. Life isn't always like that. We have reality of decisions we need to make and, and, and steps we need to take to make sure that we have harmony and happiness in our life. For example, I, I dated my wife. We dated for 11 months. We were engaged for three. We went pretty quick, and I'm thinking, man, I found the whole package, and she actually likes me. I need to put a ring on this girl, you know? So, so we're, we're dating a little while. We're, we get we get married, we go on our honeymoon, and we just have a, a great time getting to know each other, no stress. Like we, went, we went to one of those all-inclusive resorts down in, in the Cancun area, actually, and it was, it was awesome because at, at that time, it was, it was 2012, and, and at that time, it was, it was the best thing, I thought, because at that time, the drug lords in Mexico were, like, taking over Cancun. Like, people kept getting kidnapped. Everybody was really nervous, so I called up our travel agent, and she's like, you can go to Cancun for half price. I said, sign me up. I had no fear. So we went to Cancun. We had a blast. Everybody survived. We all came home. 
And, and, and you, know, you know how it, everyone's like, yeah, the honeymoon's great. And then you come home and, and the reality sets in. Like, okay, now you've got to learn how to live together. You've got to learn how to share a bed together. And all these things are going to be difficult. And we're like, oh, no, we're easy going. This is going to be no sweat. I, I mean, I kid you, the very first day, we, we get home, we go grocery shopping. We're going to stock our kitchen in our first little apartment. And we're in there and we're, we're loading all these cupboards and I'm just like, you know, grab and go, pop it in, pop it in, pop it in. This is what we'll do. This, look, this works good. This is how mom did it, you know. And, and, and I work, used to work at a grocery store, so I know how to make it look nice. Like everything is faced out. Like we don't put the cereal in backwards. And if we have to put it sideways, we're going to do it where we can see the label. So everything has to be easy to find. This is important. But I'm popping everything in there, and I can just see her getting more and more and more irritated. And I'm like, did I do something wrong? And she's like, no, I think we should do it like this. And so it just kept getting worse and worse. And I finally, I just stepped back and I said, listen, how about the kitchen is yours? And, I, and, and so I, I said, I'm just going to go over here. So I took two steps over and I stood in our living room and everything was good, you know? So we figured that out. And now over the years, five years later, I've, I've learned that if our relationship is going to have peace and harmony, it will require that I admit sometimes that I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know, I didn't know that that ever happened, but I do know now that sometimes I have to say, hey, I'm sorry I screwed up. Can you remind me what I did? No, I'm just kidding. No. It's, it's reconciling to my wife to make sure that we can have this happy relationship and we can have life for the long Term, but that takes effort, it takes humility, but I have to admit that I'm wrong and ask for forgiveness. And the word for today is reconcile. The word is reconcile, and we all have, in our relationships, we have to reconcile so we can have these, these long-term happy relationships. And my definition this morning for reconciliation is restoration of friendly relationships and of peace where before they had been hostile and alienated. Restoration of friendly relationships and of peace where before they had been hostile and alienated. So I needed to reconcile with my wife so I could get rid of all the hostility so that I don't come home from work and she's like, you know, she's hiding in a different room because she doesn't want to deal with me or she's giving me the look. You know, I got to reconcile with her so that I can restore a friendly relationship of peace. So today, that's what I want you to take from this morning. You have one life, one life to live, one opportunity from birth to death, one dash on your tombstone. And my prayer for you is that at some point in your life that you reconcile it to God. Because there are two kinds of people in this world. There are those who reconcile to God and those who don't. There are two kinds of people in eternity. There are those who reconcile to God and those who don't. So my prayer is that when you get to the other side of your dash, when you get to that tombstone, when, they're picking, when you're picking out your tombstone at the end of your life or someone's picking it out for you and say, what do you want on your tombstone? And you say pepperoni and cheese, right? You've seen that commercial. Uh, my prayer is that you say, I lived my one life for the glory of God. One life reconciled to God 
for the glory of God. Everything I did for the glory of God. So I want to read, if you've got your Bibles with you, um, my passage I want us to look at today is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read uh, verse 11 all the way through 6. Two. So it's a little bit lengthy, but I wanted to read all of this because it really uh, brings out kind of the, the track that I want us to see here in that, that we are God's ambassadors in uh, the ministry of reconciliation. So, so God reconciles you to God on the day that you're saved. When you say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. You have reconciled to God. And then Christian, pastor, non-pastor, all of us, all Christians are called to be God's ambassadors, to be uh, members and participants in this ministry of reconciliation. Not a Christian who gets saved and then sits down and just waits for death. You'd be like, I got everything I need, so I'm just going to kind of sit on my chair here and I'm going to read my Bible and go to work and read my Bible and go to work and not tell anybody about it and not share this with the world. No, no, it's a ministry of reconciliation. And you'll see in this text that it's a ministry that we are called to share with others. The language in this is actually persuade others. Paul says that we are called to persuade others that they can be reconciled in Jesus Christ, the one true reconciler, the only reconciler that we have available to God. So I ask you, join me with this. If you have a Bible, that's great. If not, uh, it's on the screen. Uh, normally we read out of the ESV, but today I, I opted for the NLT because I like some of the, some of the wording in this particular passage. So uh, if you'll just join me along as we read God's word. Verse 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. That's huge. Bragging about having a spectacular ministry, it's all about the ministry. No, it's all about the heart. What you need more than anything is a church led by people with good hearts, sincere hearts, and I pray, and I pray that that is always true in me and in this church. So I accept that responsibility with as much humility as God will grant me. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If you come to church, if you're here for the first time today and you're like, ministry of reconciliation, what, reconcile my life to God? What? Like, Jesus? What are you talking about? Like, I've heard about this. You know, I've been to other churches. They talk about this. It's like, if you think we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. If you think this is all like we're nuts, it's to bring glory to God. If I want to, if, if, if we're going to stand on anything here, it, it's not going to be self-help. It's not going to be get better. It's going to be Christ is your only reconciler to God. And if you hear that truth and we don't hide that truth, we put it right there on our website. If you, it, one life, one truth, one way to God, Jesus Christ, he said that himself. We don't hide behind that. We stand up here real quick and put it right on the front of our website. Hey, this is what we're about. And if you think we're crazy, that's cool. We're fine with that because it's all about the glory of God around here. This is important. Rest of 13. And if we are 
in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, meaning everyone, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this, his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Translation, don't get saved and then sit down. Don't get saved and then ignore it. Live it, live it. Put it to work in your life and be a participant in the ministry of reconciliation. Verse two, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. We need to reconcile to God. All of us need in our lives to reconcile to God. Why? Because sin entered the world. Isaiah 59, 2 says, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and he won't listen anymore. This is huge because, because what we always hear and what we always talk about is sin separates us from God. So this is why we need to reconcile because sin entered the world because you don't have a flourishing, happy, friendly, harmonious, if you will, relationship with God outside of Jesus Christ. Doesn't exist. There's actually hostility and alienation. And, and, and those who, who die before reconciling their life to God, they find themselves in an eternity in hell and they're experiencing God's wrath, the very same wrath that Jesus was willing to take for us on the cross. So you don't have to experience that if you accept reconciliation through Christ. Sin separates. It always has. You remember in the book of Genesis, it was Genesis 3. Genesis 3. So the third chapter of the Bible. So we've got creation and we've got chapter 2. We've got basically nothing has happened. It's like creation happens and then Adam, Eve 
okay, we're going to walk in the cold of the day with God, and then, boom, let's eat this apple. Sin enters the world. And in Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, they were kicked out of the garden. Sin separates from God. The very next chapter in Genesis 4, Adam and Eve's son, Cain killed Abel. And, and Cain is alienated from God for sin. Sin separates us from God until we reconcile. Here's the other piece of the verse that I read, Isaiah 59. Because of your sins, he has turned away and he won't listen anymore. This is a kind of a, this is kind of a, key, a key truth that I don't think we hear very often. Um, you know, I grew up watching, I watched a lot of like Boy Meets World. I loved Boy Meets World as a kid. I don't know if you guys were into that, but Corey Matthews was, you know, I wanted to be him because he got to date Topanga and it was just a good life. But um, one of the things I, I notice in, in TV shows like that a lot of times, and his older brother, Eric Matthews, I remember one specific scene actually where he's having a rough time, having a rough go at it, and he's sitting outside on a park bench. I think they were at a ski resort or something. It starts to snow, and he, and he prays right there on the TV show, and he prays, and he's, you know, he says things like, God, I know, we have, I know we don't talk that often. I know I haven't talked to you for a long time. And I always watched that, and I always thought, does God hear his prayer if he's not a, a believer? If he, is the God of the Bible really listening to Eric Matthews' prayer if he hasn't been saved? And I think Scripture pretty clearly teaches us that God doesn't. Now, God hears Everything that's happening, God can hear everything, but is God going to listen and respond to a prayer that is not from a believer? I think scripture teaches us that because of our sins, God turns away and doesn't listen anymore. God only hears the prayers of his children. So the very first prayer that God actually listens to is whenever we get on our knees and we repent of our sins and say, Lord, I want you in my life. That's when God starts listening to your prayers. He listens to the prayers of his children because sin separates and before you repent of your sin, you have hostility between you and God. God listens to his children and you need to be reconciled with God. Another cool truth with reconciliation is that God initiates reconciliation. Have you ever thought, thought about that. God initiates reconciliation. He makes it available to us, and he didn't have to. He didn't have, a, he, he didn't have to do this. He's just hanging out in heaven, and he could have just, it's like whenever, before, before the, uh, the flood happened, he could have just wiped clean and said, forget about humanity. I'm moving on. But instead, he loved us. So he, he initiates reconciliation, because John 3, 16, our most famous verse in, in, in all of Christianity we always watch if you, you know, football season is coming and you're going to watch, you're going to see the John 3.16 in the back behind the, the, the field goal post. Like this, this is it. This is the one we're most known for. And, and it's a good one for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And 1 John 4.10 written by the same author, this is real love. Not that we loved God, not that we loved God because, because I don't deserve anything. It's, real love isn't that I decided to turn and, and say, God, I love you. Real love is, says, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away 
our sins. Real love initiated by God while we were lost and had nothing to offer. God says, I am going to reconcile with you guys. I am going to call you back to me and I'm going to make reconciliation available to you through my son, Jesus Christ. He initiates it. And whenever you get saved, whenever you reconcile to God, it's, it's initiated by God. We, as those who are in the ministry of reconciliation, those who are calling others to repentance, we, we, we can persuade, we can talk, I can, I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face. But until God initiates reconciliation in your heart and in your mind, nothing's gonna happen. God initiates, he started this, and you have the free will to say, I'm in or I'm out. And there are some advantages to reconciliation I wanna, I wanna point out today. It's just, this is the best life that you can live. If you reconcile to God, it's the best life. It's not just about getting heaven, it's about getting life to the full here on this side of eternity. And the first one I wanna point out is you can have peace with God. You can have peace with God. It's like I wanna have peace in my home so I gotta reconcile with my wife every now and again. You can have peace with God. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Without reconciliation, we have no peace with God. And, and we see this all the time. You, always, you can see this in movies. You can see this just in life. You say, people get to their deathbed and they say, and the question is always, have you made peace with God? Have you made peace with God? Or, or you'll, see, uh, you'll see, I have made my peace with God. Peace with God is important. It's reconciling. It's available. It's a benefit. It's an advantage of reconciliation. But it's not to be saved for your deathbed. It's to be life. We don't preach legalism. We don't preach follow these rules and you'll be saved. No, that's what the Muslims do, to tell you the truth. We teach by grace through faith you can be saved and you can be reconciled and have peace with God today and every day for the rest of your life because that is the best life that you can live. If you feel tired, if you feel weary, if you feel worn out, if you feel like God's all, if you like every bad thing that happens to you in your life, you're like, God, come on, God, come on. I don't think God's doing that to you, but I do think that you need to develop some peace with God. And he'll walk with you and talk with you and give you rest. You can lay your head on your pillow at night and feel cool about everything. Like, I'm good, I'm good. If I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm good. If I wake up tomorrow, awesome. I want to keep hanging out with my family, you know. Make peace with God in reconciliation. And the second one is access to God. We have access to God. Uh, the very next verse, Romans 5, 2 says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved. You've got no chance of deserving to have access to God. We don't deserve it. We never will. We never can. I don't care how good you are at being a Christian. I don't care how often you pray. I don't care how often you read your Bible. These things are important, but these things don't make you deserve 
to be in relationship with God any more than the person who barely reads their Bible. It's not about that. It's not about merit. It's about grace and faith. When we reconcile to God, we have access to God, this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I confidently and joyfully look forward to heaven. I confidently and joyfully look forward to the joy of living this life. I have access to God. He hears my prayers. When I come home, I have a bad day and I'm tired, I'm exhausted and everything's hurting and, and I, can, I can sit down and I can say, Lord, I need a little bit of pick-me-up. I need some help. I need some strength. I need you to, Lord, just fill me fresh with your Holy Spirit today. That's so often is my prayer when I'm sitting down here during worship is, well, you know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered that, that the Lord will be there and so I can confidently say that cognitively I know that that's a truth that promise that God makes and God keeps. But I also pray, Lord, fill me and fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit today. Have access to God, access to the Holy Spirit's supernatural power in our life and in our heart. We are made right with God through reconciliation. So today... I invite you, if you haven't, to reconcile to God, to come up here or to talk to me or someone else afterwards and to reconcile to God, to get saved, to get made right with God, to remove the hostility, to restore a friendly relationship of peace with your maker. You don't have to live this life of tension, this life of pressure, this life of nothing ever is going my way. Why is everything so hard? Why, how, come, how come no matter how many times I go down this path, I always come back to still feeling empty? It's because you're still empty. And the only thing that's going to remove that emptiness is to reconcile with God. Just like with a, with a friend or a spouse, say, oh, forgive me. You go to God and say, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I know that I have sin in my life. I know that I need to repent of this. There was an 18th century preacher, famous, known, known as George Whitefield, and this is how he explained reconciliation. He said, Jesus, Jesus was God and man in one person, that God and man might be happy together again. For a very short period of time in history, I mentioned in the beginning of Genesis, God and man happy together, walking in the cool of the day before sin entered the world. And now that we have Jesus Christ as our reconciler, God and man can be happy together again. So my prayer for you today is that you'll take advantage of reconciliation to God, that you can have peace and access and be made right with God because you've got one life, one shot, one chance. Why not live your one life for the one love that matters and the one love that's gonna take you to heaven? Please pray with me as the worship team comes to close us out. Father God,
we thank you so much for the ministry of reconciliation. I thank you, Lord, that, that we have access to you through your son, Jesus Christ. That only because I pray in Jesus' name do you even hear and listen to my prayer. So thank you, Lord. We pray your Holy Spirit into this place, Lord, and remind us now that for those who have reconciled to God, that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are now set free to live our lives for you boldly and confidently and joyfully for our joy and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.